0: These
1: are originals. Welcome to Trailblazers. My name's Eddie Temple-Morris. And I'm Nick Hawkes. In series one of this podcast, we talk to some electronic music legends from Fatboy Slim to Goldie, from Marianne Hobbs to Gary Newman. Go to Deezer.com for full interviews or subscribe to Trailblazers via your usual provider.
2: Yeah, now Trailblazers, it's all about pioneers uh, in the in the dance and electronic space. And uh, there's no doubt that this, this uh, next guest um, is, is consistently ahead of the curve. Tom Middleton. Yeah, and I had to. Uh,
1: this was one of those ones that, that I brought to the table, really, yep. and that I I had to do a little gentle persuasion on you, didn't I? A little
2: bit, yeah, a little bit. But uh, <laughs> but I actually didn't realise how ahead of, of the curve Tom Middleton has been on on multiple fronts, um, and and it gets kind of revealed a bit in this conversation. And what's also good as we add more people into the the you know the bank of episodes, the, the cross referencing. I really like uh, the way that um, that you know some of the Tom talks touches on on his Aphex Twin links and and you know obviously we had the very first one we recorded was Renart from R&S uh, and then I in that episode talked about my um, passing on Aphex Twin getting. Sent the demo cassette and all that kind of stuff, and so I love the way that the that the shows are sort of interlinking now. It's, it's kind yeah. of cool. Yes, yeah, wonderful. It's it's a real uh, it's a real tapestry, mm. and uh, and of course it's it's
1: interwoven. The thing that I love about Tom is well, you know, he's one of my favourite DJs. We all have our favourite DJs for, yeah. for different reasons, and the DJs that I really love and the ones that influenced me and that I um, profoundly feel more than all the other ones are the DJs that are fearless mm. of whatever that mm. will just play just any genre yeah. fearless to play any genre yeah, yeah, yeah. and Tom is one of those echoing someone like Tim from Utah Saints or Steph and Dave Duvala from Soul Wax. you yeah. know they are they will happily play a record at pretty much any BPM they yeah. don't care uh, and, yeah. and they'll go for it it just has to be great music and you know we, we talk about the man as being an eclectrician so uh, let's meet the this great eclectic master now Deezer, Deezer. Originals
0: Trailblazers. Tom Middleton.
1: Welcome, dear friends, to another episode of Trailblazers. My name is Eddie temple Morris, and by my side, as ever, XL Recordings and Positiva founder Nick Hawkes. Together, each time we light a warm and friendly fire, invite another dance music legend like Nick to chat to us by the fireside to talk about the cultural fires they started and to play some of the tunes that soundtracked their fascinating lives. This week's Firestarter is a musician, DJ, producer, remixer, composer, curator, a twin collaborator and extraordinary collector, the greatest fetishist of color versions in the English-speaking world, and electronic music pioneer through the Jedi Knights and global communication, he defines the term eclectrician and. As if that all wasn't enough, he wears a great hat. Tom Middleton, welcome to Trailblazers. Thank you very much for having me on the show.
2: Yeah, welcome, man. Good, good to have you here. And Eddie, a big up for the use of the word eclectrician, <laughs> yeah, which I, is is not a word I'm I'm familiar a, with. Then actually, a new role who, potentially. Yeah. Who was it? Who invented the word eclectrician? I, I, I think it might, might have been you. Did, yeah, you yeah, yeah. did you invent yeah, it? I invented. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well yeah. done. <laughs> that's that's good because inventing a word as good as that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is I impressive. started.
1: Using, I started using it, uh, and it was. I'm sure it was post post Tom Middleton. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah. In what context no. <laughs> did you cook
3: that one up? Well, it was it was considering all the DJs that I was playing with at the time, which would have been the likes of Mr. Scruff, um, Norman J, Giles Peterson. This is sort of peak boutique festivaling, um, late '90s, yeah. bo- big chill kind yeah, of. Yeah, all of that. Era, and yeah. I was always playing mindfully, I come to this mindful social, de- socially <laughs> responsible DJing at festivals, you know, you can go deep and underground in certain types of spaces, but if you're doing a main set on the main stage, you have to play for everyone, so you have to be really inclusive, amen. and therefore play eclectically, and it just sort of dawned on me this is a kind of an eclectic type of set eclect- electronica, eclectrician I love that, it's great but it, w- it was in the context of thinking about all the DJs that that I was playing with at the time, and equally because I do wear quite a few hats you know yeah. there 's the techno hat there 's the house hat there 's the drum and bass hat there 's the electro brakes hat uh, there 's the ambient hat um, but there 's the festival hat, which is the electrician hat, if you like yeah. and, and yes. that's the thing is sort of being mindful of the fact that I'm a music lover and when you're a music lover I think you've got to wear all those different hats mm. um, because I wasn't wearing my my black techno hat at the time <laughs> I thought you know a it's got to be the one has got to be the one
2: it, it's good we had David Rodigan as um, one of our early guests in this new series of Trailblazers and he was talking about playing in clubs and all the rest of it. And obviously the art of DJing it sounds like what you're, what you're referring to here is your responsibility to give that crowd a good time you're at a festival people want to be entertained and what you're talking about here is like it's your role to make sure they have a great time not for you to disappear on a journey that is not connecting with the crowd but just like well I'm just going to do my thing whatever and, and Rodigan was very passionate about that he play the hits wasn't he I think yeah he had a, his first he told us his first DJ experience was an absolute failure because he was trying to be too cool right
1: yeah so that the, the, the uh, promoter from Peckham in South London said <laughs> You got to switch it up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, and he took it, and he was
1: Rodgers was like what yeah. does that mean? What does that even yeah. do mean? And yeah. he just he reached he reached for a record that was owned by the club. You know, he yeah. used to own record. All the records were yeah, like the play. Right. There was a, yeah, a yeah. playlist yeah. in clubs that you'll remember. <laughs> he pulled out like a soul classic, put it on. Everybody, the place where nuts. He goes, "That's how you switch it up."
2: Yeah. Do you know what? Weirdly, <laughs> I was
3: at the the buzzy building um, on Saturday for the Saturday Night Soul Train. I don't know if you know about this, but well, this... Nick DJ's there as with, I'm a resident with, with right. Andy Smith, who you probably right. know. Right? Reach well, up, yes, the reach exactly. up I mean, this is my. First experience: fifteen hundred people, all millennials, singing along. I mean, it was hilarious. Um, top floor, <laughs> Hugh and Nick, um, and I pulled them up because they're pulling the the volume down, doing what I used to do all the time, which is you know the sing along. Yeah, um, it was the original of Tainted Love, <laughs> and so obviously riding the the fader yeah. at, to get the whole crowd sing along. Come on, lads, you super cool <laughs> collectors, you and you're riding the volume fade. It was magic. I've, honestly, it was the most incredible thing to be part of um, what feels like a very new energy
2: celebrating classic music. Oh, and, mate. And it's now- astonishing. Yeah. And, and this is why I love being a resident there. So I play, uh, yeah, we play there once a month with our Reach Up uh, collective. So yeah, me, Andy Smith, a guy called Chrissy Kaibosch and uh, we're playing disco, records, boogie, some early house, and, and of course it's across four rooms. Uh, you know, there's the main room that always has like a live band, and then funk and soul. You get northern soul in one room. You you get sort of seventies kind of James Brown music in another. And I'm a passionate advocate advocate of that club night. I honestly think that that club in that space is well, it's my it's my favourite club night in the UK at the moment. Oh, certainly, it's and is, 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 is it's not incredible. even is it even one of the best clubs in the world at the moment? Possibly.
3: I mean, l- let's say. From an education perspective and an inspiration perspective, uh, I was blown away. I and mean, there's a lot of art students, a lot of people come from all kinds of places, actually, <laughs> specifically yes. for, to kind of unite and celebrate music that, you know, is just starting to switch them on to this whole other world because, you know, you're starting to dig yeah. and to hear. Crispy, crackly, warm, soft, delicious, unctuous 45s on a system. There's no top end, it's all kind of like mid and low, and it's got that kind of really lovely, warm feeling. You know, you didn't go out with tinnitus, like most clubs are so digital, you know, you're listening to all these, you know, uh, compressed audio tracks. And the fact that you could kind of come out of the
2: club... you have a conversation with people in the club. Yeah. It wasn't at a level that was destroying your your hearing as well. There's something quite interesting going on, and uh, a friend of mine called Andy Bailey uh, put forward this theory to me. He said that the way that that kind of, let's say, 21 to sort of 25-year-olds are embracing disco, boogie, 80s kind of black music, um, he thinks is comparable to what happened in the late 80s when people of the same age group, 21, 22-year-olds, were really into Rare Groove. So, I mean, when in, in the late 80s, I was, yeah, in probably in my early 20s approximately, and of course, I was really into the Jackson Sisters and Maceo and the Max and records that came out in 72 and 74 when I would have been four or, 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 or seven or whatever and just completely passed me by. Now, these kids are into Evelyn King and you know, sell-sold stuff, and it's the same thing, you know, these, these are records that came out in 19, you know, 86, and that might have been shortly before they were born, or whatever, and he he thought that it was a parallel. Yeah, you could probably track it'd be really interesting to sort of map out
3: how a different generation's um, the impact of music a decade or two decades before, yeah. when that actually becomes a bit more mainstream, or yeah. a thing, an actual yeah. thing, because I, I had this as well with... Um, well, I program and curate music um, at um, Ministry. Mm. And um, we were talking about, you know, the ultimate playlist for to be inclusive. Mm. And, and as part of the role as a sound architect, it's my responsibility to make sure that the music is on, on brand and also delivering the right mood and feeling for the right time of day. Mm. And what was really interesting was uh, you know, that I was programming Boogie, for this time of day and obviously the um, the execs and board mm. members that are kind of, you know, let's say our era, uh, are kind of flagging certain tracks and yet in the office at the ministry that's what they're listening to it's like yes it is relevant it's suddenly it's become relevant again it's to kind really of to, to include boogie which if you listen to you know a lot of the the styles now there's clearly it's reverential um, yeah it's referencing this era electronic boogie yeah i mean it's it's music to my ears because you know yeah. i used to listen to um on a sunday evening it would be top of the pops um then all the way through to um, probably, uh, Tommy Vance,
2: yeah, uh, the Rock Show, yeah, uh,
3: Robbie Vincent, Robbie and Vincent. ranking Miss P. So, yes. I, and, and then in the week it would be obviously um, uh, himself. Mr. Peel, uh, yes. that was my, you know, musical diet. We're probably uh, going to a conversation here that will inform where we're going with this whole chat, which is rewinding to, you know, <laughs> first exposure to music. But we're probably
1: going a bit tangential, aren't we?
2: <laughs> well, it's good. We love it. It's just yeah, this no is rules. why we do this, isn't it? Because we yeah. love it. <laughs> and I
1: love Trailblazer because it just, it's, it. I love finding out stuff about people that I sometimes know and love, and, and I and I find out these great little nuggets. Like I've known you for how many for de- decades now, and I. Know ever knew that you are a rockhead that you listened to Thomas the Vance yeah yeah um, the lot the lot I mean okay
3: Growing up in Cornwall, we only had radio. Yeah. And, you know, my dad gave me and my brother um, Sony Walkmans with the earphones that had radios, and they were the recorder ones. So they're a bit chunkier than the, the cool ones for your your, your roller boogie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the chunky one. This is the pro one for yeah. pause, button, rewind, make your own mixtapes, and then listen to them all week. And, and sure. you'll know, amass this huge collection of all kinds of music. And I really connected with... with with all of it I don't know I was just finding being an electrician How yeah. old, how
2: old is- were you when you were Kind of first exposure to this, getting into all of this, yeah. Um, 10, 11, I think. Ah, um, so, so have we already? This is quite interesting because often you need to prompt the the question. Right, tell us when you first. Yeah, yeah. We've, kind n- of naturally, I knew this was going to be a good one. It, yeah, we've, <laughs> we, we, we've naturally come to exactly
1: where we wanted to be now, which is to is where it all began. So uh, you've tipped off the fact that you were were born and raised in Cornwall.
3: Oh um, no, 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 no. Let's rewind. So I was born in London, Kingston, ah. Kingston upon Thames, as I like to say. <laughs> Yeah. And then, um, yeah, my my, um, my mum grew up in Cornwall and she yeah. wanted me and my brother to, to grow up there as well. So uh, my dad said, right, let's go head to Cornwall and um, set up camp down there. And yeah, it was um, from about seven years old until uh, 18, 19 in, in Cornwall, really. Okay. Wow. Um, and yeah, I the when you asked me what's the first, these musical memories, these are really interesting. And actually, I do a similar thing in my work now, which is yeah. um, profiling or auditing a brand or a, a personality with a top 10. And what's mm. so fascinating is it's so revealing about, you know, where you've come from, um, the two bloodlines that influence your musical DNA and this idea of musical DNA you know where do you come from sonically and I'm sort of thinking well there's a bit of Scotland and you know my mum was a pianist and a ballerina so there's a bit of classical in there and my dad um, design and and, uh, university lecturer um, but also played pretty much everything and was really into everything from Beatles, Stones, Zeppelin to incredible electronic music the first sort of weird unusual stuff and being Um, an audiophile he was so into creating the the ultimate immersive sonic experience so um, have you heard of um, quadrostatic electrostatic speakers so
1: heard of but i couldn't tell you what they are It
3: looks like a kind of a 1970s radiator so this this thing that that literally looks like a radiator um, is a type of speaker electrostatic and it radiates sound right exactly and at the time it was really sort of state-of-the-art. So um, we had quad and tannoy system, um, and the tannoy speakers were, I mean, they were pretty chunky. I mean, we're talking, you know, about a metre and a half high, so that's a, what, 16-inch 16 16 um, driver? Yeah. Serious. You know, My dad yeah, was serious nice. about He wanted to experience sound and music. And I remember it must have been around six or seven, and, yeah, this would have been about 78... 1978, at a guess, 77, 78, something like that. He sat me in the stereo sweet spot in the front room and he put on this record by a Japanese composer called Isao Tomita. And Tomita uh, basically. Did cover versions of classical music using Roland's and Moog synthesizers, and wow. so there's this there's this sleeve that I'm looking at of this incredible looking Japanese venerable gentleman here <laughs> in the studio, all these uh, modular synths with a list of all the kids and I'm hearing this stuff as a you know not even ten years old, yeah, and you're exposed to. A stereo spatial experience. It was one of those first stereo records that really explored Ooh. spatial acoustics. Ooh. So a finely tuned sound system in the front room in the stereo sweet spot. My dad says, close your eyes and listen. And you know that my first immersion in sound is to this day almost impossible to really recreate because you need that kind of kit to listen and appreciate to that sort of music. In fact, I did a, a session with. Um, uh, colleen Murphy, uh, classic album Sundays, and we played this on a pretty serious system, and that's the first time since I was a kid but I got to hear that record on a system in a space and sitting in the sweet spot. You get to really, really enjoy it in a way that you can't. You know, we just don't have access to that kind of kit anymore. So that was my first immersion, and this this track, Snowflakes Are Dancing to this day, I mean, peerless, there's there's no one else that's rivaled Sautomita in terms of sound design and using um, multi-tracking with synthesizers to create these incredibly ethereal textures, um, taking you on a, a really spatial journey, which obviously has informed everything since then, because that was the first in-point. Um, and so it was like a, a listening to that, and then the next minute it would be um, Fantasia on a theme by Thomas Tallis, Ralph Vaughan Williams. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this piece of music, but to me, it's um, unfinished sympathy on steroids. <laughs> now, when Craig Armstrong's strings kick in, mm. I mean, that's a moment. and I'm, I'm sure everybody, the first time they heard that mm. track, it was like a boom, wow. That's, I'm feeling something really profound now. Interestingly, we've had a full cycle now, and a lot of people are coming back to using orchestras again, as you've probably mm. noticed, quite commercial as well. Mm-hmm. So accessibility of classical music, but you know, Massive Attack, Hitting you with that impact now.
2: We we should can we hear some music? I'm I'm. I'm yeah, I, which, I can
1: I can play you a bit I'm off ke- here if you I'm want. I'm keen to I'm well, keen to. Let's let you know. Let, let's let's pause and hear. I guess your your first, as you say, the first yeah, let, immersion, which yeah, has to be. It's meter Snowflakes are dancing. There you go.
0: Trailblazers.
1: It's our as chosen by uh, the Jedi Tom the Jedi Middleton. Actually, didn't you have to change your? Did you get? Is it true that you got? We I can't believe we've never talked about this. Is it true that you got a cease and desist yep. from from George Lucas yes. for calling yourself Tom the Jedi Middleton? Well, it's
3: basically it's even worse. It's it's um, yeah we got into a lot of trouble on this. Um, well, we didn't actually get into trouble, but. Um, you could Mute did, oh, as did Depeche Mode. So we re- remixed a track called Home by Depeche Mode. Yeah. And it was the printed on the CDs, all 25,000 of them, uh, Home Jedi Knights Remix. And obviously it landed in... A, someone at Lucasfilm obviously was a Depeche Mode fan and saw the word Jedi Knights, and it was red flag, no, nope, can't do that. So they had to, I think they had to recall a lot of stock. And uh, yeah. naughty Crab. boys, naughty yeah. boys. But that was, I mean, that was... In a way, it was, it was good because we got a <laughs> bit of press out of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. It's a, a famous story. Now, so we've come out of your, your first immersion into electronica, but I'm really interested in your, your e- eclectic you your eclecticism. And you're having done uh, what I call an all-time top 10 on my remix show that was on XFM for 15 years and now on Soho Radio. And it, so I, this is 10 minutes of airtime for somebody that I know and love to uh, visualise their top tunes of all time and then mm. do as, you know, minimum 10, no maximum. Mm. And Tom did the most fantastic, like, uh, mix of TV theme tunes. Okay, it was absolutely brilliant because every single one I heard—Rhubarb, Magic Roundabout, or the the, the <laughs> Moomins, or
2: whatever it was—every single one just touched some part of my childhood, and like it was really. And that just sounds like me at me at a rave in '92. <laughs> <laughs> And me, <laughs> as well, with uh, Mark, which we'll come on to, obviously. Oh, right, yeah, well, Mark. let's let's hit the shaft. Yeah, oh, oh okay, right. yeah. So, no, We will, we'll get into, we'll so, get into the rave so cartoon crossover. Well,
1: so, I'm interested in, you know, the young um, the Cornwall resident, Tom Middleton, that is just absorbing all this stuff. And obviously, oh, yeah. you've got the DNA that comes from your parents, and you're, yeah. I think I'm right in saying playing piano and cello or exactly. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, you're um, on <laughs> Sort of uh, musical
3: influences there. I mean, playing in an orchestra, but then mucking about in the music room on the Yamaha DX twenty one. That was really what I wanted to do. Yeah, you know, on the TV, it's it was, exciting, you, know, it? Uh, you know, with with Depeche Mode, Human League, OMD, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Kraftwerk. Oh, I didn't want to be playing scales. I wanted to be making bleeps. For goodness sake, wanted arpeggios oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> arpeggiation yeah, exactly. Yes. And obviously, you know, from from uh, looking at this uh, sleeve with, of Electronic kit that now costs an, a small fortune. You can mortgage your, your house to be able to get some of this um, antiquated uh, modular kit. But that was the aspiration, and it was, you know, going down to the the local music stores, putting the headphones on, playing Simmons drum kit. Do you remember them? Absolutely. yeah, Yes. <laughs> ...syndromes. I mean, yeah. it was all about that. You know,
2: the 80s, the electronic synth wave that was happening was so exciting. And you had those pivotal moments, didn't you, like like a Gary Newman on top of the pops? Exactly. Or where everybody in the playground the next day would be like, whoa, that, oh, that guy's cool, isn't he? And again, <laughs> another guest on, on Trailblazers, and we were able to, to sort of... Speak Talk about that, you know, with him. And I I recall that I don't, there isn't that moment these days in the same way that Top of the Pops managed to just bind everybody together, and then, you know, people wouldn't know an artist. And then after the Thursday evening, the next Friday, the next on um, Friday, in school morning break or lunchtime, yes. and then everybody was trying to moonwalk or whatever exactly, it was. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's
1: no focal point now anymore. I can't imagine, you know, all kids the getting way. getting together in the school ground going, mm. "Did you see that YouTube exclusive last night?" Well, they Fr-
3: do. They do. Well, f- the Fortnite thing, don't they? And they all just start learning these da- crazy dances. So Fortnite yeah. is the universal connector. Yeah. And it's these um, dance crazes. So flossing. Yeah. Which you must have seen yeah, of f- Because of this <laughs> flipping Fortnite platform that the world is, you know, the kids of the world are yeah. flossing on a Friday. Yeah. On a Thursday night, they just released, a, you know, a new dance move on the intro screen to Fortnite. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so it, it probably is. Maybe it is happening, but just in a different way. I, I don't know. Or of course, but we're not. There's a lot more information, though, isn't there? Yeah, it's this so fragmented.
1: Like, I, what I, my point was, there's, it's not, there's not a focal point. There's loads of different focal points. There's so many. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that they're digesting and, and yep. you know getting this stuff in. Whereas yeah. for, for us, it was pretty. It was limited. just like we just had yeah. Just there was one focal point for getting music. Yeah. You and, know, and on TV, TV.
2: looking, look in. and, <laughs> oh ge- and geographically, you were in a small village or town. Were you?
3: Truro in Cornwall. You're in Truro um, so you were um, 25,000 okay. I mean, it's not it was the capital it's
2: the capital of Cornwall but it is a long way away. So, okay, so as you hit your sort of the 12, 13, 14, 15 zone you're you know, you're not it's it's there's not many bands passing through Truro no, for no. example is there? Not even slightly. Not even. <laughs> yeah. So you are that you're not exposed to the live experience yet at that at that age. Not really. No, no I mean, okay. um if I sort of think about the first gigs that I
3: went to, it would be Prince um, getting on a, a, oh. a bus and going away up to London to watch Prince in
1: concert. Right. Well, uh, that was your first gig? I think it was, yeah. Wow, oh, yeah. That's, that's a good, good first isn't one. It? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in in first trumps, it. That's, yeah. that is pretty much like yeah. that's a top trump right there. Okay. Uh, and
3: um, yeah, vividly recall um, coming out of the, the whole show experience feeling absolutely mesmerized by the exposure such talent that we'd been celebrating for years. Yeah and then sleeping rough in Wembley for the night because we missed the last tube oh. to get our train bus bus train back to Cornwall so yeah it was, it was huddled together on, on someone's front steps in the oh middle of Wembley God. overnight just kind of waiting for dawn to break never forget that but it was worth it Guys, oh, I, I,
2: I in similar style the first time I went to Glastonbury Festival it was 80s-ish I was probably about 16, 17 and I just thought I've got to go to, to Glastonbury uh, like you the, the, the previous Thing. You want to be there for the music and the, the pain that might surround it probably okay with, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even consider taking a tent or a sleeping <laughs> bag with me to Glastonbury. <laughs> didn't I, think it I through. I didn't really think it through. <laughs> I just rocked up. And it was the point where you didn't really need to get a ticket. You, you could just get yeah. through a hole in the fence in, yeah. that era, in that era. So I got in there and, oh, wow, Glastonbury, Glastonbury, great, great, great. And then it gets to about sort of two in the morning. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting a bit tired now. I need a bit of a kip. What shall I do? And I just sort of laid down on a bit of tarpaulin in the cinema tent and just went to sleep yeah just like okay i'll just (laughs) we've we've all been there (laughs) (laughs) probably that same (laughs) flat. yeah yeah Yeah, but it's it's comparable you you want the music you want the excitement you want that buzz and then you and then there might be some pain that will follow but you go you know what that was worth it damn was it worth
3: it i mean there's nothing better than experiencing someone that you're you know, enamoured with that you've almost in a point of addiction. I mean, Prince was a, a bit of a thing for us in yeah. Cornwall. Um, Grant Wilson Claridge of Reflex Records. Um, I was at school with him and um, Luke Vibert, Mike and Christ. Mm-hmm. Met, oh wow, um, amongst others. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's very interesting like the. Um, uh, Marcus of who who runs the press for Hyperdub and Manuel, who's the designer for Warp record. I mean, there's a whole load of us from Cornwall who kind of gone on to do stuff. Were
2: you all in the same? You're all in the same school? Um, not all in the same school, but, but all kind a, 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 of connected. A, about
3: a year or two apart, and we all used to hang out together. So the reason why the Reflex, Apex, um, you know, we were obsessed with collecting electronic music and you know this whole thing and at that point electronic music i mean um 80s electronica prior to let's say the dance electronica yeah and so it was all about getting hold of um prince bootlegs you remember black album yeah yes. yes, i remember that and grant was always the first person he was such a prince fan he would always make sure that he got the records however he could get it he would do it and so he was our conduit into the world of of kind of bootleg prints and you know the tape started doing the rounds and it was just it was just magic knowing that you know Grant's got a new tape he's got the Black Album no really <laughs> oh, and it'd be Grant 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 just a tape for tape for tape for tape yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it'd be you know, someone would get one it'd be copied around oh, and level just of to celebrate all that stuff um, but yeah you know when you head over heels in fact one of the tracks that's on my, my list is um, there's, there's quite a few of the Prince tracks but um, it would either be Ballad of Dorothy Parker, which is not the most well-known, but it's a beautiful track. The lyrics, the whole uh, sentiment of it—it's a really intense track. Um, it's, it's between that and then the sort of intensity of "I Would Die for You." Oh. Sort of watching that on Purple Rain—it's like, oh, what? No, I just get still get the kind of the, the mad rush, kind of with that intensity. Something about the synth.
1: Incredible yeah. Track that. Yeah. Powerful, yeah, that I really think. makes sense in yeah. terms of I can I can it's feel so and it. see the effect that yeah. that's had on your production. Even yeah. let's have that. I think that's a great track to have. Yeah. Let's let's listen to that. What a joy.
0: Trailblazers, Tom Middleton. Uh-oh.
3: I mean, I Would Die For You is pure sonic MDMA. I mean, this to the intensity of that. Sort of incredible.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. Oh. That's amazing. So um, Tom Middleton, Prince Obsessive at that age. So I guess the next question or the next um, phase of your life that we'd be interested in is is the dawning of... Proper electronica because you were into early, you know, really early Japanese electronica, and, and I presume the, the Radiophonic Workshop and, and stuff like that.
2: Well,
3: totally because that's what we were listening to on TV. You know, yeah. Tomorrow's World, Doctor Who. I mean, as a child, you know, growing, coming through the seventies into the eighties, it was that <laughs> celebration of analog to digital, right? Yes, yeah. and and our accessibility to it was TV, radio, and. The local record shops, yeah. uh, Smiths at that time actually Woolworths, right. Woolies, Woolies, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh bless Woolies. <laughs> All right, good Woolies. But you mentioned Prince as being Sonic MDMA. But what I want to know is, when did the first actual MDMA inspired music come to you, or you know, like early? When did early electronica? Because I guess that wouldn't have been MDMA inspired yet. No. Well, when, no when did that, when, when, when did you interface with that? Because. I presume you weren't going. You know, you weren't going to many gigs, and and your club scene in Truro would be more working man's club than uh, well, than, in, than Smiley indeed, Face, indeed, Danny I mean, Rampling Club.
3: Yeah, we, we we had to make our own entertainment, and uh, <laughs> you know, after the, the the rare groove acid jazz thing that you were talking about, yeah. um, so we were definitely we were all into. It was weird. It was like kind of a, ma- a mix and mash up. Um, I was. A bit of a, an aspiring b boys and a graffiti scene. Um, I was going to mention um, hearing "Rebel Without a Pause" and oh, yes. "Bad" meaning good. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was pretty well, influential down in Cornwall. Yeah, definitely. you know we want to be b bays down there. See, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, get yeah. up on our. There weren't even trains down there really. It was, worth, it was that whole sort of thing of aspiring b boys. You can imagine that, but the Cornish equivalent. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty sea boys. <laughs> Brilliant, love that. <laughs> the Seaboys. <C> <laughs> nice, yeah, exactly. You missed a trick there. Um, and collecting the Street Sounds electro oh, records. Yes. Oh, so, yeah, you know, The no, road it's a, into it, it kind of... The, the, <laughs> that was the intro, you know, yeah. Hashim and the Fish oh. starting to use, you know, oh, yes. uh, drum machines yes. and... Um, bit of hip-hop, 3 bit of Man Parish. Man Parish, Nucleus. Yeah. I mean, and that was off the back of, um, obviously, African Man Bata and Kraftwerk, actually. Course, you know, And breakdance the movie for God's sake yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah of course God.
2: Ollie and Jerry thanks yeah, you know, yeah. The, <laughs> did you do a bit of breakdancing yourself
3: oh yeah a bit, of, uh, bit in, of lino in fact I was going to you were going to do something in
2: fact are you going to bring some <laughs> lino to the head spin it's, it's or, carpeted yeah, here it's <laughs> gonna, you'll, you'll get burned you'll get seriously burned <laughs> and with my <laughs> when he sees my moves yeah. definitely <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay okay oh it's Portishead Cornwall dance off it's going to happen exactly
3: and that was a thing though because there was there was this um, you know inter-county rivalry so the uh, the Devonshire B-boys would come down Mm. to Cornwall and there would be battles we'd go to a local club and there would be a dance I mean better than the, you know, actually having a brawl. We yes. used to we used to dance and yeah. it was actually pretty good spirited. But there was definitely a little bit of a you know a bit of an edge, now huh? now and again there'd be a bit of a oi, 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 yes, oy and, oi, 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 <laughs> and it you know it started get a little it. bit heated. That's
2: um, great.
3: <laughs> and, and that whole you know the the, the transition from the hip hop and electro thing, I remember being into jazz dance Hitman and Her drops and they were wearing spats and kind Mm. of D-mob suits and dancing I used to wear that and do jazz dance mixed with hip hop yeah. And then, so, but listen to James Brown. I mean, it's a really weird kind of time. I don't know where all these influences were coming from, but it was a, a mashup, and that was around about sort of eighteen. So yeah, it was yeah. all about you know uh, getting off with girls in the clubs, and yeah, you know, it was it was important time. So you had to have some manoeuvres to yeah, sure. show yeah. You're kind of, oh, He's got some, he's got some moves that yeah, lad there. He's got yeah. some moves. He, he, that was the thing, and yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> got a great little anecdote. So um, Captain Rock. Was our tune for yeah. our show, and guess who was an ex Truro schoolboy who came in to judge the competition? <speaking in> Oh. Roger Taylor, the drummer wow. of Queen, went to my school. Good God. I remember him rocking in with his shades on, and this is the middle of the day. Yeah. And the um, the deputy headmaster was wheeling him around, and there's me and my, my crew. Roger <laughs> Taylor judged at a dance contest. He judged that you, the breakdancing dancing competition that I was in. Amazing. and And I, I think I managed to nail a pretty convincing knee spin.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that That's point, cool. With
3: Captain Rock in the background. It's just one of those sort of funny little memories you yes, think. great. Around. Captain Rock. Roger Taylor Queen, what? Knee spin, hey? Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: never thought I'd hear them in the same (laughs) sentence.
3: But, um, you know, interesting that um, those worlds still influence me. I loved Flash Gordon. like massively was into the Flash Gordon soundtrack. There was some brilliant electronic stuff going on in that as well. And that, you know, to this day, I sort of rewind nostalgically and every now and again dip into that. There's some good kind of noises, some sound design, some good... Um, emotional stuff emotion in sound all the way through my journey I'm always listening out and looking for some kind of integrity you know if someone's communicating something to enhance or embellish a scene in a movie or a theme tune this is why I'm addicted to little jingles because you have to emote very succinctly something very potent and powerful in about three seconds and you know, for me that's the little the jingle the hook the tag the earworm they're really key things that I'm always listening out for
2: it's it's up to you because it's your music not mine but I, I'd quite like to listen to one of those sort of something from that kind of break dance oh okay okay so is, um, is that cool do you mind yeah, if, totally we, if you can just pick one just for yeah, yeah, me one, to listen to one,
1: absolutely <laughs> so, one uh, for the Portishead b-boy here yeah yeah <laughs>
2: you see, it seems a shame to talk about all those records without identifying one but what's it gonna be um, do you know what I'll tell you what's gonna be It's, it's it has to be um,
3: uh, Breaker's Revenge Arthur Baker, because that oh. moment, that scene in Beat Street, yeah, that changed everyone's perspective on on why we should go battling with our, uh, you know, in intercounty b boy battling. That I don't know if you know that that scene in the movie, but it's pretty poignant. It's um, Rocksteady Crew take on um, what are they called, uh, the New York. <sighs> <Oof>. <sighs> yeah, Dad, you rewind a bit too far there. Anyway, it's a it's a, a poignant battle, um, New York underground metro. Yeah, and I mean. If you've heard that tune, the intensity of it—I mean, Arthur Baker—he really knew what he was doing with the Lind drums and the eight oh eights. That is so
1: intense. That is, a, yeah, so a, a he's great, on our list. yeah, exactly. A, a reminder huge. that he's on the list, and yeah. we've got to—that uh, we would be a very to, easy call could, to do. To Arthur,
2: we need to make that happen, man. Yeah, let's make I, that call. I'm sure
3: he's got an anecdote or three. <laughs> goodness <laughs> me, goodness, definitely. Me. So yeah, let's let's have Breaker's Revenge.
1: Fantastic.
0: Trailblazers.
1: so we've effectively linked to your early musical life that was uh, you know embodied by prince and then the, the the link to dance music to electronic music proper is this this the whole b boy thing you know is is electro so when did when did the penny drop with f- flat four beats and, you know, the, the whole, like, <laughs> where were you in between 88 and 91 when, when that was all happening? And when, I presume, Nick was getting his trainers dirty oh in God. raves around the M25. What, how were you interfacing with that? Okay, so um, a very famous club in Cornwall in the history of the, let's say, the electronica
3: scene, um, the Bougie Inn, West pentire um, uh, uh, overlooking this beach called Polly Joke, where cows roam freely, I kid you not. Cows roam freely on the beach. <laughs> the joke. really mad place. Yeah, and overlooking this um, West Pentire, uh, tiny little um, pub bar, they had a turbo, turbo sound system in there. And every week, um, bless him, the late great Paul Guntrip from the Wag Club would come down with his imports. Um, uh, it was like one week on one week off. He'd come do uh, his, uh, the Paul Guntrip session. And there was another local DJ that used to go up to London and buy imports as well. So we had our diet, if you like changed all of a sudden we were exposed to, um, fall on the floor acid house um, quartz meltdown was one of the first memories I've got of the club being filled with um, uh, strawberry flavoured smoke and the hmm. uh, strobe light was on uh, people had crystals uh, some of the guys came down from London and they'd grown their kind of um, uh, hair parting curtain hair Yeah, yes, Dung- uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. dungarees yeah, um,
1: right.
3: uh, wallabies you know it was like there was a thing happening Yeah. That, uh, the kind of psychedelic tie-dye t-shirts, so there was a a shift it went from um, acid jazz and kind of crisp and funky and and slick to this sort of like quite loose baggy hippie kind of Mm. vibe Mm. and Acid House suddenly became a thing, so Paul Gunship would come down and play all these incredible American imports and European imports, so we suddenly had a taste of Belgian Neuer beat um, early um, R&S Transmat um, KMS, Metroplex, and suddenly there was this whole world that we'd never, ever realised existed beyond acoustic instruments. And let's say synth-pop electronics with yeah. vocals was instrumental music with very kind of primitive sampling. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, suddenly there's this groove and a beat and the relentless kind of um, flash of the strobe and the smoke. We were in, we bought in, we wanted it. Like every week, we would, whatever it took, we would get a lift to the Bowji and we'd immerse ourselves in this new acid house culture. And then one week, um, we went down there and I heard this track and I was with Grant Manuel. Um, this is the, let's say, pre reflex crew. Yeah. And there was a guy p- called Peabod. And there was another DJ called Piers. And these guys were doing like another rotation every week, every um, every other week. And so Peabod was playing some tracks yeah. and it's the stuff we were into, you know. Yeah. There was some electro, there was some hip hop. Mm. Uh, there was the UK kind of fast hip hop at that time. So silver bullet kind of stuff. Mixed oh, yeah. cool. you know in with it. So proto jungle breakbeat, if you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mixed in with um, techno, with early rave, some weird kind of yeah, the, the Neuer beat thing was happening as well and, and Then, all of a sudden, I hear Julie Andrews. (laughs) I'm thinking, what is going on here? And I look at Manuel and we're like, what is this? And suddenly you hear this kind of like barrage of of electronic beats and twisted, distorted kind of proto-acid. Not 303 acid, but a kind of acid (laughs) that had never existed before. Nothing like any of the the acts that were were creating music had had even touched on a sound like this. This track is called Human Rotation, and Peabod, the guy behind the decks, wasn't even playing records. It was a tape. It was the Aphex Twin.
1: Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going
3: to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went up immediately, like, who are you? What is this? What are you playing? This is incredible. Halfway through the track, it drops, and you hear... Julie Andrews flanged to the max. <laughs> um, ring me, you're only the photo of the tunes. So this he'd dropped in. He it's the the track starts with the opening um scene credits from um Sound of Music, goes into this absolutely intense proto jungle breakbeat, acid, distorted, twisted workout. And I think it's one of the tracks that it's it's never been like really easy to get hold of, but we've got to play that because that is probably the first intro point to me thinking, yeah, I'd lo- if he's making it in his bedroom, then, you know, can it be that difficult to make this kind of music? But n- I'm not joking, no one on planet Earth was making anything like this. And if you listen to that track now, you realise that in 1990... You had the American sound. You had the you know, Detroit techno, um, Chicago um, acid, uh, New York garage sound, but, and the, the, the Belgian kind of pre-Hoover, sort of rave sort of thing, post Neubeat pre-rave. Um, and some of the kind of UK producers on the periphery coming, like Black Dog, LFO, mm. you know, Warp was yes. introducing yeah. the, the, the Sheffield and the Leeds sort of sound. Mm. Um, but this was different. There was something about this that had a kind of a cheeky little twist in it. And that was the, you know, the 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 balls to kind of drop in Julie Andrews in the middle of this kind of intense acid workout, and and there you go. That's uh, my first intro to Richard D. James. Wow. Well, at that (laughs) point, it happened to be our birthday. It was the same date, same year. Really weird that one. Um, (laughs) August eighteen seventy one, born the same day. Good God, Uh, mad one, right? Wow. Um, And so we, we got to know each other, and it was like. Uh, I'd finish sentences, he'd finish sentences. It was really kind of like a, a, a really nice link, um, sonically, um, same sense of humour. We were really into Reeves and Mortimer. <laughs> and on a recent um, Aphex show for one of the um, the other uh, radio brands, um, apparently he was really into him as well. So uh, weirdly, <laughs> um, Vic was... Fully feeling the apex sound, and, and it kind of makes sense, you know, that, that slightly irreverent, twisted, oblique humour. Off-kilter. Exactly. Yeah. Really fed into what we were doing sonically, you know, we were, we were taking the piss, like fully taking the piss. Okay, here's a moment. The first time I realised that um, the sonics of human perception, so going to his bedroom and he's got two monitor speakers suspended from the ceiling, and he was studying like, acoustics and electronics. He suspended spe- speakers from the ceiling to isolate them I mean, this is like 18-year-old kid who's actually sussed out, you know, <laughs> spatial acoustics. What right. the fudge? And then, <laughs> um, and then I'm looking down there, and he's taken the lid off a Roland SH-101. Now, this, for those that don't know, is a very classic monosynth. It's grey. It's the one that um, you probably saw on Top of the Pops, uh, Freeze, A-E-I-O-U. Yes. You can play it with like a guitar kind of vibe. So that beautiful grey monosynth, lid was off, and... Richard was in there with um, a screwdriver adjusting the the frequency range of the potentiometer. Um, In other words, Roland had sort of set it human perception, which is 20 hertz up to about 20 kilohertz. Richard wasn't
1: happy with that. No, no, no. He no, wanted no. it on dog perception and Dolph- whale perception.
3: Dolphins, <laughs> whales, bats. So he went. He went infra- infrasonic. I'm not joking. Infrasonic. So he like a below human hearing range. Infrasonic range. Subsonics to ultrasonic. Yeah. And obviously speakers were were kind of. Trying to deal with this, and I remember <laughs> we were sitting there, like experimenting with stuff, um, li- just listening what was happening, and you'd, you'd pull down the frequency potentiometer, and the cones are going ooh, and then you just get to this feeling, <laughs> and then almost. it's just it's just pulsed like a yeah. And we were exposing ourselves to kind of like three hertz, four hertz, delta wave, uh, gamma, beta, alpha. <laughs> so you know what I do now, ironically, as a psycho psychoacoustics researcher, is to try to understand how binaural beats and frequencies and sound can neuromodulate our brains and use it in a let's say a really useful way to kind of help us be more productive and more energized, happier. Back then, we were just messing around in the Afex bedroom just to see what was happening to our brains and. Yeah, we were we were literally like messing on on our um, with with our whole way of perceiving sound. Everything I <laughs> oh, always joke about bats kind of falling, and smashing into the windows, and
1: local <laughs> dogs going crazy, and yes. you know communicating with dolphins. <laughs> well, before we go down a and a very interesting rabbit hole, can we just hear that track that you you've said? pretty much doesn't exist anywhere else. You're probably the only person in the world who's got it apart from Richard D. James, the <laughs> one that he played with Julie Andrews. So effectively, yeah, okay, can we hear that? Absolutely. All right, fantastic. Let's, let's just hear that, and then let's carry on this conversation on the other side of it.
0: Trailblazers, Tom Middleton. during the first time, it be tools we used to build a song. Once you have these notes in your head, you can hear a million different tunes by mixing them up like this.
1: so we've heard effectively the first feasible apex twin i was going to say record but this isn't really released tape. This, this is a tape right yeah. Yeah. and so just let's just, just put a marker in uh, the timeline here and how um, Another <laughs> another Trailblazers episode has interfaced with this. So our very first Trailblazers was with, you mentioned R&S, was with Renart yeah. van der Papalila, who yep. you know as the yep. R from R&S. And, of course, he's the man who ended up signing Richard D. James you know, for his first sort of, uh, uh, I guess, European deal. But what I didn't know was that you had got him signed before yep. right so the, so you were you were hanging out with him and doing all these things before nick embarrassingly turned him down and then renard took him up and yeah. that must have been i i mean he he was 19, 19 or something then mm, when that yeah. happened so so this is this was happening when you when he was 18 just like a, a six months or something before he yeah. sent those C60 L cassettes. Which, you, which
2: you've seen, of course, because yes. when Renard came in to do the episode, I've, I've got a cassette that Richard James sent me at XL. Still got mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, well, a bit of red biro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, stupid names. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
3: it's, uh, it's, well, mine has um, uh, written in pencil and marker. Okay. And he always wrote some really brilliant kind of mad stuff on there. Uh, the naming of the tracks are just yeah. always like flange face and yeah, it's like all that, yeah really, and then the brackets
1: after the track yeah. the stupid track name is just like the greatest bass line ever made. Yeah you know yeah. in the brackets afterwards. Ah no so,
2: Yeah, it. so that's right. So so this is no yeah you I'm sure that's right. You were getting it at an earlier stage ahead of me getting sent the cassette at XL, which I've still got, but, uh, but I passed
3: on, yeah. Yeah, so um obviously um the other track that I would play is Analog Bubble Bath. Most people know that anyway. Yeah. And I rewound that about a hundred times um, sitting in the car um, I was at Falmouth art school at the time uh, watching the ocean just rewinding it for the drop yeah which for me to this day is still, uh, it's more Sonic MDMA. I mean, it's so euphoric. Yeah. Uh, and in, it's almost in stark contrast to, you know, what a lot of people know Richard for, there's this more sensitive side, this more emotional side. And, you know, I, I really sort of felt and tuned into a lot of the tracks like Exel as well as another one of my favourites. Um, really beautifully emotive pieces of electronica, naive in the sense that, you know, he was just in the flow zone, just making music that felt good to him. And, you know, Analog Bubble Bath was all of that. Um, and I had that with Isopro I uh, went to the studio and, and um, he helped me basically produce and engineer my first record as Schizophrenia, okay. my, my splendid idea, <laughs> and Entrance to Exit. And Entrance to Exit ended up on the first ever Apex record on Mighty Force Records. So I was this, at this point, um, after uh, Falmouth Art School, I went to Taunton, of all places, um, to do design and used to, to, to hang out in... Exeter, where Mighty Force Records was. Now, Mighty Force, um, I got to know those guys, and I said, Look, I've I've got this tape of, of uh, a guy that's got some really amazing music, you need to hear it. And they just went, wow, this is incredible, we need to do something. And put out the first record right. mf001 which has three richard tracks and a, a, a track by me um, produced by him um, and that was let's say my debut into it and i just remember okay. the whole story of going up to london with white labels going to chocky's tunes yeah to um uh roy the roach yes um, literally you know black market uh, doing the yeah. the soho circuit, circuit yeah, yeah man. breaking my back with white labels will you take, you know, 10 or 12 of these or 20 of sell sale and return? You know, there's, there's me, sort of young 20-something, sale or return, Apex Twin, first records. I mean, yeah. hand-stamping them, sticking them. Um, and obviously... That landed in other people's laps, hence the Renard conversation. Da, 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 da. It it wasn't long before the penny dropped and people are thinking, Oh, this is something. But I, I yeah, I guess I discovered Richard and, and shared him with the rest of the planet Earth. That's the the main well, story really. Bravo. <laughs> Abs- <laughs> I made it my mission, right. you know. Well. As soon as I went to Mighty for, I was like, you guys, we've got to do something mm. because this is incredible.
1: Absolutely incredible. What what tune should we play to, to mark that? Because that is really momentous.
3: Oh well, it, it has to be analog bubble bath. I mean, um because that that you know, that tune still to this day has uh, um, the, the secret source, that secret magic aphex moments of um, pure majesty.
0: Trailblazers. <laughs>
2: want to hear more of the music? Don't forget you can listen to the tracks in full by heading over to deezer.com where you'll also find special Trailblazers playlists. Deezer,
0: Deezer.
1: Originals
0: Trailblazers Tom Middleton.
1: Let's leave Aphex Twin behind for now. And I think I think we've we've covered that yeah, off. We've, we have sealed that that yeah. very uh, that, that gushing well right there. Um, and now I'm interested in how you or when you and how you got into DJing. Okay. I mean, because we, you, you've, you've now explained how you got into production. Yeah. You know, Richard, Richard James was your, uh, you know... Your, your... Mentor and teacher. Exactly. I sat,
3: observed in his bedroom and thought, oh, okay, and he showed me the skills. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So opened my mind to the possibility that anything you can hear can be used as sound of music. Now, that's a big one, and I always share that with, you know, aspiring producers, that literally your ears... Give you this opportunity to to utilize anything that goes in has this potential to be turned into sound and music hence why over the years i seem to have randomly connected with people like matthew herbert and beardy man uh, <laughs> you know, it's people that embraced this the, the sonic possibility, the world of sonic possibility. Yeah, uh, Ulrich Schnauss, John Hopkins. I mean, there's a few p- key people in my career, if you like, that I've championed and waved and said, "Listen to these guys because they're onto something really fresh here." Um, but the DJing thing actually randomly happened. Um, we also started doing nights at the Bowery in Cornwall um, again on rotation. So, Piers and Peabody, Rich would be doing his one, his night, and we would do. Um, uh, our own night as well, uh, myself and Manuel and, and, and Grant sometimes, and some other people. I was collecting records, so collecting records. That whole thing starts, and then you buy more and more and more and more. And as soon as I was able to kind of travel and and get access to the London record shop scene, that was it. You know, game on, bring it on, baby. Yeah, um, you start the you extend the collection, and at that point, it was I'm trying to think. Are we pre mini disc as well? Was still kind of CD. I was not only eclectic, but I used a lot of different media. I would use tape, I'd use um, CD, I'd use vinyl, and then when a mini just came in, I'd use that as well. Just wherever I could get hold of the music, whatever format, to me, it didn't really matter. It was more about, you know. Creating these incredible journeys, sonic journeys. Yeah, always the journey with you. Yeah,
1: it's always the journey. It's always the journey. It's the trip. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, one of my absolute favorite compilations. In fact, in fact, looking at you too, my two of my, I, my, I think my two, my three favorite compilations ever are your trip, your mate Andy's document. And Liam's um, Liam's Dirt Chamber. I think those. Are, I think if I had to take three mixes to a desert island for the rest of my life, those would be the ones that I would take. And you know. And your, Amazing, yours, really. yours has that. Yours has the best start, Tom. You, you start with the. Was it the Prague Philharmonic? No, you start with Pearl and Dean. Yeah. The ba 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 ba, and then you go into the Prague Symphony Orchestra's Star, um, Wars. Star Wars. It's yeah. just, it, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, beginning. And then you slide in the old-fashioned way, slide the pitch on the on the the, the the last chord of Star Wars to take it into. I think it was Sparky Keep Wilson. It, yeah, yeah, Sparky Wilson. <laughs> Spanky yeah, Wilson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right? it,
3: yeah. I mean, th- th- these are the sort of things you do just for, for fun, just to kind of blend in. It's like, um, I sort of think of it now from the, the sort of background in art, it's kind of photoshopping with sound, you know, yeah. like that, to kind of create mm-hmm. this collage and texture of pieces yeah, of music. Yeah. And then whatever the technology could, could potentially yield in terms of segueing these things together, whether it was, okay, I'd have to change the, the key, um, and to do that I kind of do it like by the pitch, or I can do a little trick, I can loop it and then just... Pitch it up a little bit in, mm. in tempo, and then naturally the pitch will increase, yes. and then that will lock it in. There's something about harmonic mixing that I think I was one of the first to, to really deploy that because yeah. it's something that um, it makes a massive difference if that that transition between one track and the next. Is a pure flow and there's no clash and dissonance, but harmonically speaking, it yeah. just flows.
1: Well, it takes a musician to do that. You know, yeah. there are some DJs who aren't musicians and who, you know, who I mean, I've seen tone deaf DJs <laughs> <laughs> who car crash, in tone <laughs> mi- mixing. But you know, then but you mentioning that, I'm I'm thinking of you know Brooks Brothers, my dear dear South London friends, who all of their in the days when we all used to use CDs, um, all of their CDs were were key. They 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 were all in their filing system was in keys, hmm. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. All well, it was just absolutely just brilliant. It musical wow, proper, you know. That's how they would. That's how they would catalogue hmm. their set was in key. And I just think, well, you're proper musicians. You're proper yeah. producers. You know, it, it mm-hmm. does does sort of separate. <laughs> yeah, separate
3: the kind of wheat from the chaff. Absolutely. Uh, Sasha was one of the first to, to deploy that. Let's say in a popular mm-hmm. way with. Um, adding um, acapellas that were in key mm-hmm. and that was always a kind of a thing back in the, the sort of mid-90s with the, the let's say the uh, the a-list djs that were actually using this technique yeah um, but n- it's taken a while for it to really sort of drop in and there was a bit of software um, mixed in key yep. came out and i think all of the the, the current tech facil- facilitates the ability yes. to sort of do key mixing yeah um,
1: and that's brilliant because suddenly you get this uh, mixtapes that actually sound good. <laughs> yeah, but all it needed, my point was all it needed was ears. Yes, was, was a decent set of ears that that knows that, you know, when a key is in key or, or two keys are in or, or when you're, you're in a harmony. Yeah. And
2: when you're not... <laughs> Sweet harmony. Ah, yeah. yes. Well, we haven't, t- haven't touched on the, the, the early 90s rave thing yet. Ah, well, I don't know whether there's anything to what,
3: explore in there. T- well... Basically, it's the perfect inroad to me working with Mark Pritchard, Global Communication, uh, uh, Jedi Knights Reload, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because uh-huh. uh, I moved to Taunton, yeah. and um, Student Union got dissolved on the first day. We were gutted. Like, what? what are we going to do? Oh, what are we no. going to do? Um, and then it was um, it was a bit of a trek to get back to Exeter or Plymouth or, or even go up to London or Bristol to go clubbing. Um, the local nightclub put on put on an event. And I was just reading through, you know, what, who are these guys? Shaft. All right, let's go check them out. Derek May, Carl Craig, Juan Atkins, Todd Terry, Masters at Work, um, r and Records, Warp Records. It was my soundtrack being played by another group uh, of DJs that were basically completely on my level. When i introduced myself, Ah, Adrian, Mark, how you doing, Kevin? Nice to meet you. Mark was the, let's say, the, 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 the quiet, music-obsessive, Really, really knew his stuff, and um, he came back to my place. I played him apex tracks, and we made this kind of connection on, on a kind of sonic level. Yeah, um, we'd you know started hanging out and and um, yeah, just generally uh socializing on that level of electronic music and, yep. and sharing tapes and new things that we were discovering, and um yeah i mean one of one of the tracks that are so sort of cemented that was well, two tracks there's uh bfc which is one of carl craig's monikers evolution and lo and behold that informed why we set up evolution records uh, right as a tribute to carl craig and also just the word evolution as a as a kind of metaphor for our transition into a slightly more expansive kind of world of, of um, sonic emotions um and Derek May, it is what it is, and I Aww. think that that track probably the one that I would play in this context because um, it's that or Balil root So there's these three key tracks that let's I suppose locked in our um, musical relationship and business relationship. As you know, me coming in, um, I used the name E621, which is monosodium glutamate, the flavor enhancer. <laughs> so if you look back at the Evolution Records, it's Reload plus E621. So I was a kind of co-writer, co-producer mm. on Mark's earlier stuff. Mm. Um, we got signed to Infonet. Remember Infonet? Vaguely, um, or a subsidiary of um, uh, Creation. Good God! Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the um, the offices at Bethnal Green, and you know Oasis going out the door, and you know we're coming in the door. It's quite a, um, <laughs> funny story. Right. Good God! Um, and and from there, it was you know a, 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 you know a continued exploration of you know what the, what's the music we like. We were into the Cure, U two. Um, lots of uh, Mark was sort of sharing his industrial music with me and that was like a meat-meat manifesto and exposed me to all kinds of like crazy kind of sonics and the early Reload stuff he went to the local factory sampled industrial machines and if you listen to a collection of short stories you'll hear some really incredible kind of um, electronic industrial electronica and absolutely slamming techno that I mean to this day you haven't really heard anything as banging as that we did one track called Mosh and it's got the biggest kick drum ever that was the challenge let's make the most intense kind of techno kick ever and it's an oil drum good god Um, and you know obviously in, in the studio we're scaring the sheep uh, outside the front window <laughs> yeah, and uh, lovely. Mark's grandmother, who affectionately known as Reload Nan, would come in and go, Oh, that's nice. What's that music? <laughs> <laughs> and without slamming it, boom, boom, yeah. shoo, boom, boom, shoo,
1: Yeah.
3: absolutely intense electronic and techno. Um so that that was let's say the the inroad to we were releasing records on evolution, got a deal with infinite. Um and then I had this idea about uh, making music that was an antithesis to the whole techno sound. So, something a bit more kind of cerebral and, and kind of relaxing and emotional. And um, the concept was global communication, this kind of unifying feeling of music, uh, emotional integrity. Um, and as a kind of birthday gift, I basically came to the studio with this, this um, some sounds and we kind of assembled them, collaged them, and created the first global communication record, um, Incidental Harmony. Um, we then did a remix uh, of, a, of a, a techno track, and I'd brought in some, some sounds of a grandfather clock and some other um, ambient noises like uh, planes, trains, automobiles, um, sea, air, and weirdly, if I look where I am now with what I'm doing with the ambience and soundscaping, it's very much you know informed what I've been doing to this very day. And that track, fourteen thirty-one is also known as Upsilon Minus. and that was the first global communication track that got a wider extension through the likes of Cold Cut various people picked it up um, on the Evolution imprint started uh, sharing it um, talking about it and uh, do you remember Fat Cat Records? Yes yeah. right. So Dave and and Alex there were, were massive fans and you know we have a lot to thank them for Um Obviously, there's, there's quite a few uh, people in the press. Chris Needs was... Uh, um, oh, wow, yeah. Um, Tony... Marcus? Could Mar- be. I thought, yeah, yeah. Tony Marcus, I think it's Tony Marcus. Um, these two lads working in a studio in front of a field in um, Krukern in Somerset making yeah. this techno. I mean, it didn't really didn't really fit, and yet we'd sort of found this sound and we were you know, celebrating our, our love of electronic music. Um Chapter House, who were a shoegaze band. um remember science, them well. Science Dedicated. Um, they loved global communication stuff. And they said, would you like to remix our album? And this was an album called Blood Music. So we came up with this concept of deconstructing an entire album, got hold of all the kind of master tracks, and reassembled it in five pieces, the Pentamerous Metamorphosis. Um, as a result of that, that was given away with the Blood Music album. The press ditched... Poor Chapter House celebrated and raved about this free C (laughs) D that was like a an ambient masterpiece, dedicated Drop Chapter House and signed us, hence seventy (laughs) six fourteen album. <laughs> God,
1: that's, that's wow. not really what Chapter House had in no, mind. It's, uh, it's, pretty, feel, it's pretty brutal. It's pretty I feel brutal. bad for them. Mate. Yeah. They were that's nice new- guys. I used they to, know they really are lovely guys. I used to rehearse in the same studios, yeah. though, so no, I just totally used to hear them lovely, every, lovely every, every time, yeah, you know. But it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Moment, it was yeah, it a, wasn't
3: your fault. They were kind of doing their thing. It was starting to kind of. The, the landscape had changed, I think, in the world of shoegaze music. Mm. Um, and. Um, you know, for us, this was like, what? We're now signed to, dedicated via BMG, and we went started doing some gigs out on the road. Um, and yeah, that was basically the, the, the inroad to this sort of expansion into a world of electronic music that was more cerebral and more um, um, introspective. Um, the Big Chill founders, Pete and Katrina, mm. loved this album and decided to make a festival to listen to music like this so that festival was basically a result of that
1: album Wow, um, oh, that's why you played that every single year yeah
3: <laughs> sharing the vibes you know yeah, yeah of course the philosophy aligned very much with their vision of you know having a a soundtrack to uh, a multi-sensory experience um and so we've kind of you know in a nutshell summed up where where i am today which is you know this uh multi-sensory immersive experience using sound as a tool to enhance your mind state um and it's very much
2: kind of informed the the, the the journey all the way. And I'm fascinated to explore that. But let's hear some more, more music, uh, Eddie. should we, we hear? some? Yeah, we've got to ha- we've got
1: to have a global communication yeah, track, have. haven't we? Let's... So, what would you pick as your as your the jewel in your crown? There.
3: Well, I, it's probably going to have to be um, Obscure Minus because I think then that will frame. If we're saying it, the hit, there's yeah. two global communication hits in a sense. There's Obsidian Minus, which is the one with the grandfather clock that everyone knows, yeah. the ambient track. And there's also The Way, The Deep, which is the deep house track that still to this day, a lot of the, you know, those in the industry will cite that as one of the top kind of deep um, disco house tracks ever. Um, but I think in the context of electronic, it has to be the, the ambient track. Seventy six um, from seventy-six fourteen. Fantastic.
0: Trailblazers.
1: So a legendary global communication record, and, and this reminds me that up to this point in your life, you you're, you've always been a great collaborator, and and it was it, everything was very collaborative. You know your original crew in Taunton, and then with Mark, you know doing Jedi Nights and global communication. So when did Tom Middleton, Tom Cosmos Middleton, <laughs> um, replace uh, Tom the Jedi Middleton? If you know, like? when did you sort of sp- you know, strike off on your own and become the Tom that we know and love?
3: Well, um, I, I was living in Exeter for quite quite a few years and I um, wanted to move to London. Uh, in fact, it was um, my uh, landlord and landlady um, who owned Mighty Force Records. They moved to London and took me with them because I was um, their uh, uh, tenant back in Exeter. Hent, I thought, yeah. Take me with you. There you go. Uh-huh. Ding. So moved to Pimlico and... Um, Yeah, and that whole sort of change in experience of being up in London. Um, Mark had a thing with his girlfriend at the time. Um, It was like a natural progression. And I'd also been in the studio for so long not in the back seat but I'd been observing the engineering process but I'd never always been as hands on as I'd wanted to be to create the things I really wanted to so at that point I had a bit of cash got my first sampler got my first drum machine mixer effects unit and started to explore making music on my own on my own terms in my own space for the very first time and that's quite um that's quite a thing because if you're always going to someone else's studio it's kind of on their terms and you're always being mindful of you know not making a noise at the wrong times etc cetera, etc cetera. so to have the first opportunity to just really sit there and just create whatever you want whatever you want and at that point um, I was getting quite a lot of bookings I'd, I'd started residency uh, with people like Fabric um, the tribal tech house deep house fusion I was playing at space a lot with uh, uh, bless him, Kenny, and Luke. Um, There's a lot of really interesting things happening um, with this transition into more four, of the, four on the floor kind of vibe. Um, I, was, I was doing festivals yeah. on one hand, and yet the music that I was, I, I was really enjoying making was this more kind of tribal techno deep house kind of sound. Still very melodic if you listen to it. Um, so I got quite a lot of remixes, like literally back to back remixes. Yeah, I was going to ask. In yeah. Left, right, and centre. I mean, I think I've clocked up about four or five hundred. So there's 650, <laughs> um, 650 entries on Discogs. And there's about well. over 300 remixes, something crazy. What? Yeah, I really no, wanted it's to. Nuts. Yeah, no, I, nuts. I knew. I, I, I told you, he's a really
1: big remixer. I have no idea. It was some at some that amazing. Level. Yeah, amazing work. I, I mean, sorry, I, I don't even want to run uh, do, a, do a list because it would just go on for too long. But from you know where you started to uh, through the delays mix that you did, which I thought was amazing, and I, I wanted you to pick um, a, a remix that you did that you just thought was that was just such a joy to do or the when you know you you got these separate parts that that really uh, inspired you to do something incredible and you, you did so many incredible
3: mixes thank you um, yeah, so i'm just on the 327 remixes for goodness wow, sake how man. did that how did that happen <laughs> <laughs> and these I mean, are cosm- under different some... this is under different monikers has to be said it's still um, yeah yeah remind
1: us what all your monikers were
3: okay so oh. uh, from the beginning so uh, schizophrenia yeah then um, e621 yeah which was which the monosodium glutamate yeah, <laughs> flavor enhancing mark's reload sound but then that was dropped and i basically became like the the second member of um, reload um, i founded global communication so that was i suppose my baby in a sense um and then mark kind of came in as the, the 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 second member of global communication yeah um we also had secret ingredients which was a a, a nod to uh Let's say the the New York House sound. <laughs> we had Jedi Nights, which was our reaction to the, the dark um, tops off uh, techno community. Yeah. Very very macho, masculine kind of guys. This is getting way too serious. Where's the funk? <laughs> and so obviously, as he was, um, may the funk be with you. Let's bring the funk back to the yeah, dance floor. Yes, so so I remember that. We're just drawing on um, you know P Funk, all of the the roots of dance music. We celebrated again, We We're back and digging in the in the the the, uh, the crates. Go went through all of the um, ultimate breaks and beats just to sort of celebrate the classics that were used in hip hop, and then we were starting to reevaluate them. And this is just about the time that the the big beat sound was happening. yeah proto jungle break beat. You know, people getting these these old hip hop records and um, putting them on forty five, and hence you've got. Drum and bass. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that inroad was sort of celebrating those kind of sounds, um, the classic breaks again. But instead of being drum and bass speed, we were just pulling them back a bit to kind of mid tempo house, yeah, the yeah, yeah. electro breakbeat sort of era. Um, so um, one of the, the tracks from that, that era was Big Ones, um, uh, Big Knockers, we called it because it had quite a a kind of knocky sort of sound in it but we like the idea of calling it big knockers the big One EP (laughs) yes Um, and yeah Kenneth
2: Williams sort of uh... exactly (laughs) (laughs)
1: exactly, yeah Um, and this is happening around the time when when uh, Skint and Wall of Sound and yeah. Fresconova and all of those kind of uh, break beaty big beaty right. labels were 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 doing going great guns yeah. at that time. And yeah, you you definitely dovetailed with that. I remember your sets back back then were again really really eclectic, but there was a healthy amount of nice rolling breaks going on with with what you were doing. But and, and always so musical.
2: Well,
3: that's the thing. You know, I, I really loved to to bring in. Um, melody and harmony and story and atmosphere like all the tracks that I'd be selecting and consistently to this day they have to have some kind of narrative it's like a soundtrack to a film that doesn't exist so every single set there'll be a, a beginning a middle and end. there'll be these chapters that are getting dovetailed and, and segwayed together and interspersing with sound effects little moments from childhood I mean It's fun and it makes it more memorable if you go home at the end of the evening singing the Grange Hill theme tune, which was one of my favourite one more tunes ever because for uh, for our demographic... Yeah. Drop that and it's always home time now, isn't it? (laughs) What else would you play? The last tune. Well... (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Um, Back to the remixing thing. I mean, goodness me, I'm just sort of uh, quickly scanning through to see who... I mean, I really yeah, that's a hard Prince. I mean, that was a challenge and a half. Uh, My gosh, uh, 1999 for goodness' sake! Um, but you know, I mean, over the years, I suppose the the ones that have sort of stood the test of time are the ones that I think I've, I've maybe brought a bit more um, melodic, or let's enhance. I'm always looking to enhance um, melody and harmony and emotional content. My um, I mean, God. The one that got a lot of, of action was actually Clocks remixing Coldplay. Yes, or not that. I, I mean, I, just fun. I did for fun, but I wanted to kind of give it a more contemporary context, and that was yeah doing the damage on the dance floor. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's a there's a great potential house piano riff right there. Yeah, exactly. Which which you uh, yeah extrapolated. Maybe we should maybe we should hear that.
3: Oh, but you, you know what? I, I, there is that. But actually, if I think of a, a track that. Um, that i'm particularly proud of because it it really blurs the boundaries between um Deep house, breaks, electronica, and ambience is what? What's that? Um, what is that sound? What sound by Lamb? And most oh, people, wow. most people don't even know this track that I remixed. So the thing is that if you're doing remixes for majors, they don't always release them. Of course. So you get hired to do a remix. It might go out on a promo, but yeah. the general public might never have heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, this is one of my favourites. I think if I'm kind of rewinding through all of the the catalogue, um, yeah, it just really. I loved um, Louise's vocals. I love the sentiment and the the you know Andy's kind of sound design. That was a brilliant kind of track to to reconstruct out the components and take on a whole new journey. So, fair. And I think we all know clocks, but what yes. sound by Lamb? Yeah. perhaps people don't know. And this new context. What a treat.
0: Trailblazers, Tom Middleton. What is that
1: so we've asked you for your best remix and you have uh, you've completely delivered. I b- before we we wind this up we have to talk about your incredible astonishing curation of cover versions. Now I thought I was a covers freak until I met you. And uh, like you know your and your your crazy compilations, Tom Middleton's crazy compilations uh triple albums, double albums or triple albums on family recordings was it? That's right, yeah. yeah. I, I Cra- mean crazy covers. Crazy covers, that's it. I mean absolutely incredible and of course this links back to you know you in this incredibly absorbent sponge-like state in in cornwall in your early days just taking in everything, everything from yeah. classical tv from popular culture from you know dance music hip-hop music whatever and and i guess uh, the eclectrician yeah absolutely and this 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 has come out with your your fetishistic Oh, um, isn't it just uh, but but medal de- deserving of a medal mm. uh, <laughs> uh, more than anything else uh, with with cover versions well, i mean yeah let's just talk about that and you're and you you've you i mean you have an enviable enviable <laughs> collection you, you you've just all you've always loved when people take a song and make it their own right
3: yeah it's it's a really m- brilliant marmite conversation and actually the press around this was amazing apparently the NME office was never so divided on this whole subject and it's brilliant for organic viral conversation because this album obviously you either love the original or you're feeling the new version in a kind of a new new context hmm. there are the celebrators of originality and those that think actually this is pretty cool this is pretty clever and what I love about this was it opened a conversation and also um, opens the idea that what if you not only change the gender, the genre, the tempo, the language? <laughs> the holy grail of cover versions. Yes, the of holy course. Grail of so for me, um, I remember hearing the Karminsky Experience playing out and they played this one version of a track and the dance floor went bananas. I'm not joking, absolutely bananas. And I thought, hold on a second here. There's uh, There's something in this. Everyone's singing along, yet the track I'm hearing is not in the same language. So the the track is called um, uh, Chupki by Usha Uthup. Now, the reason why this track is so important and relevant is because this actually preempted the whole new obsession with cover versions. Um, And in fact, Crazy Covers was a result, or let's say an extension, of the trip compilation. So the trip. Volume 1 happened, and then Crazy Covers happened, and Volume 2 happened after that. Yeah. So, uh, this track on The Trip by Usher Uthup, Chupki Kyanaya. And, well, I think we should play it, and then you'll get the reason why this is such an effective cover version, because it flips gender, style, tempo, um, and language. The holy
1: grail. (laughs) <laughs> I'm absolutely, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm riveted, fascinated by what this is going to be.
0: Trailblazers. In
2: my eyes, in my mere I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb,
0: I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb, i
1: Okay, so there's Michael Jackson, as you've never you've never heard him before, unless of course you come to see your uh, your sets. I was in the club, the Karminskys were playing,
3: and the whole crowd was singing along in English over the top of this Bollywood disco cover of Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And from let's say the entertainment perspective, it was a magic moment. You know, the okay, this is a cover, this is a crazy cover, this is the craziest cover I've ever heard more i want more now and that was it i was just in there
1: <laughs> so Who's you done
3: like deep researching on all the cover versions that are out there what's gonna you know nail it in this new context of like dance floor festival yeah. Is there are kind of an are there ultimate covers that can really deliver um and yeah obviously there are and particularly in the context of um uh, a festival set where i think you can really flip it and and go there go the distance um whether it's like a remix or a cover or an edit, pulling all these things together.
1: Yeah, um, we've covered off your your obsession with uh, with glorious cover versions now, but let's talk about your 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 first hit. Well, let's talk about your you know the big one. I mean, you had some underground hits, but what was your first kind of crossover? Remind us what your big crossover tune was.
3: So I'm, I made. Um, an ep in 99 and um paul byrne um who literally just come out of the um, junior boy's own um label i think that kind of folded and he was sort of, um he was a fan and, and sort of said look let me help you with this this um this, this ep let's get it out there um one side was a track called play to win which was it had a robert de niro sample and i like the idea of you know a, Play to win was this kind of concept and music and kind of motivation with um, a crazy sort of uh, um, Brazilian beat, Brazilian kind of techno sort of sound. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side, the B side was this this track that I just made. Um, I was missing the missus at the time. She was in Australia. And I made this track um, that was based on um, my sort of love of 80s synth pop. So very so heavily OMD, Depeche Mode, Human League influenced bit of Vangelis, a bit of Jean-Michel Jarre, yes. and bit of Kraftwerk, um, and you know, getting back to a, a sort of a, a more simplistic, not particularly swung heavily, um, but quite kind of uh, not not heavily quantized, but it was quite kind of regiment like since clocked, clocked, yeah. quantized, yeah. And I was just thinking about this idea of, of what if I was to create a baseline. root note that changes the entire feeling of the track um, just within, you know, that that space of uh, two bars. Um, And so I was listening to some bleep noises and just experimenting with, um, you know, simple arpeggiation. So this is like, if you're like, going back to the basics and rudiments of, of, of music, melody and harmony, let's simplify it down to me feeling like I'm missing someone, I want to kind of connect with someone, how can I deliver that sonically? And so there's this. So that's the arpeggio. It's a minor kind of key. So there's definitely going to be a bit of, you know, um, tension in there emotionally. Mm. And then some chords to back that up. um, And another kind of rhythmic device and some proper sort of Daniel Miller mute sort of. Yes. Another former guest. Another former guest, yes. (laughs) (laughs) My my favorite kind of, you know. um, Yes. Uh, really early human league kind of era yes. and and I assembled this track and then I put the bass on it because that music from that era didn't really have bass in the sense of sub bass and obviously we're talking 99 so we'd had drum and bass and jungle at that point so I loved sub I've always been into sub bass um, and I wanted to create this track that I knew on a system would absolutely just like <laughs> yes, uh, blow your brains out. Yeah, uh, and again, this is part of the, the sort of Sonic MDMA thing. Um, I called I called the project cause um, uh, Sonic Pharmaceuticals, <laughs> and I, yeah. I found uh, a white label recently. Um, back again after I'd lost my collection, so I've, got, I've I'm reowning my music from this era. And that that particular record, obviously, there's only 115 in existence. Sasha got hold of one. Wow, and he wasn't playing play to win. He was flipping it over and closing all of his sets for about a year and a half, two years with the B-side, Take Me With You. And I didn't know this. You know, he was just doing it. Yeah. Uh, It just got come through the system. And there was only about, yeah 150. It started getting bootlegged. Um, Pete, uh, Tom, got hold of it. And he was loving it as well. Made it Tune of Miami in 2001. So it took two years for this underground one more tune to kind of break and um, he, there was like a kind of bidding war between London and Polydor, and I was sort of stuck in the middle at that time, going, ah, what's going <laughs> on? Here? It was all a bit weird, and we had a sort of a new management shake-up at that point. It was a very, very strange time. And strange strange time. it's strange
1: like, because it was such an old track by that time. Yeah, you. yeah. And it was and, more and, than
3: two years old. And, 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 and the track was a B-side. It was just this bit of electronic music. There was no intention of it being pop at all, and yet... Because I was kind of feeling something, it had been emoted through these chords and melody and the intensity of it. And I wanted to kind of build... Um, it was the first track to really use the white noise whoosh that everybody uses now. Um, and you know, throughout my career, many people have said, you've always been about five to ten years ahead of the curve, pr- production-wise. So you know that uh, the, uh, the bass house thing with sort of sub-bass? Yes, yeah. yeah. So my sample pack from five, six, seven years ago, and a track I called Liquitech, yep. um, which I'd designed to be Drummond, Bookham and era. Mm.
1: Intelligent,
3: yeah. Deep House meets Bookham era drum and bass. Wow. Um, and then, you know, Eats Everything Now, sort of cites that as like the first track that really deployed that kind of... Um, Subsonic eight to eight kick yeah. as a line instead of a, a kick. Right. So using an 808 to eight melodically is, was like a really interesting thing at that time. I thought yeah. it was like a
2: fun thing to do. Yeah. And it was a on, trailblazing. <laughs> thing absolutely. Bra- well, right. that's why you're well, here, Tom.
3: You were, I'm delighted to be able to sort of share because most people don't know this. They probably
2: yeah. clock the fact
3: that you know most of the projects that I do are ahead of what's about to happen they've preempted a scene
1: yeah um, tuned kick sort of 10 I've years before these,
3: I made these two Loopmaster sample packs and what I hear in the charts for the last sort of two three years is all my sample presets <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the
3: donk dx bass sound that most people have been using um, what's he called um, donk da- David zowie
2: Yes, House Every Weekend, that too, yeah, 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 number one. So that kind of era
3: of, of sort of uh, where Deep House and techno in the, uh, the early 90s, it's all my sample
2: pack. That so must I'm... be an odd feeling when you, if, if you literally hear the number one record in the UK and you go, that's, that's my, my base, sound, yeah. that's, that's my sound, <laughs> i created that. Yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, wow. It must be, yeah, how does that feel? It's brilliant. I love okay. it because you know, for me,
3: it's this whole this whole thing of you know, I'm, I'm doing what my dad does. You know, he loved to share and um, create, innovate, and edutain. Yeah, you know? um, and this is what you guys are doing as well. I was thinking that, uh, a minute ago, you are Eddie the edutainer.
1: If you think about <laughs> it,
3: because this is education and entertainment, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this is you informing um, and schooling a whole new generation with with this show. Both of you. I mean, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Yeah, oh, um, mate, absolutely. So with, with you know, this, this whole sort of thinking, um, it was about, you know, how can you bring together the worlds of, of like science, neuroscience, psychology, um, behavioral psychology, and sort of frame that in a whole new way. Um, and I think take me with you. Interestingly, preempted this idea of, um, sonic pharmaceuticals. You know, I was thinking back in 99 about the idea that these frequencies are going to do something to someone. Now, if I'm feeling that completely straight, I wonder what it's going to be like to people in the clubs. No wonder Sasha was, like, using this as the one more tune. At that point, everyone's flying, and you listen to the white noise build in that. I mean, I-, I deliberately and intentionally protracted that breakdown for about more than four minutes nearly. You know, it's, it's one of the longest breakdowns <laughs> In history. One, it's one of the you know. I think hard floor experience is one of the the, the classic kind yeah. of nine and nine drum kind of feel. Do, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a kind of like a, whoosh, a big one, like a really intense, a sonic rush. Yep. Yeah, and I wanted that when that came slamming back in, and the the pump thing that happened, the side chaining, it wasn't a thing. That was one of the first sidechain pump tracks, and wow. Egg uh, uh amongst others will sort of cite that as like the track that inspired his sound it was the kind of zh- zh-
1: Yeah, zh- yeah, that whole sidechain thing, yeah. It we hear a- it? Amazing, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Go on, Absolutely. Stick it on. What a trailblazer. Weirdly,
3: we asked um we asked him if he'd remix it, and he said it's untouchable. I can't Fair <laughs> play, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> play. <laughs> it's a
2: compliment, man. It's yeah. a compliment.
0: Trailblazers, Tom Middleton.
1: fascinating to hear that but tom i feel as though i want to forward wind to to where you are now and and how you got to where you are now which sounds fascinating it sounds scholastic it, it sounds really, you mentioned edu, edutainment, it sounds very edu, educational and really, really interesting. Um,
3: jokingly, Pete Tong called me the professor, but he was <laughs> yeah. spot
1: on. I mean, you know, what I'm doing
3: now is purely academic. I mean, it literally is. I'm working with academics now in my work to help validate all of this empirical, um, observational, anecdotal evidence that I've um, compiled and observed over 28 years of DJing so I've travelled around the world I've worked out I've played to millions you know, we've we we've yeah. played to millions of people can you think about that we've actually impacted millions of people and in doing that I'm tuning in and watching exactly which tracks are affecting people cognitively um, uh, psychologically uh, behaviorally, yeah. and emotionally yes spiritually absolutely. yeah, kind of even, yeah. You know, how is the sound of the music affecting people with an A you know, how is it really delivering something meaningful and then from that I'm looking at patterns, the universality of a particular piece of music and sounds and frequencies that can deliver an outcome. And then applying cognitive neuroscience, behavioral um, and consumer psychology to that. That's why I'm a a sound architect and a psychoacoustics R&D researcher now.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You're 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 one of the very few DJs in the world that could approach a set in the same way that I read this glorious story about a a, a restaurant in I think it's the Philippines that is um it's run by a chef who has uh, quite severe I think uh, not ADHD but uh, severe depression and, and stuff like that and everybody in uh, all the wait the waiting staff all have kind of mental health problems and. And they, they all kind of got themselves better by focusing on, on this restaurant. And if there's no menu. You go there and you go, I want to feel like this and then you give you give him an emotion and then he goes in the kitchen and he cooks you um he prescribes you a meal a dinner or a lunch that will chemically and emotionally put you where you want to be wow. so you just go there and you just say i want to be happier or i want to feel uh scared or whatever it is you know and he'll do he he will wow. he'll, he'll make you an emotion and i feel that tom is one of those DJs that go to you can you can you can go to a club and go, Tom, I want to feel this way and then Tom will is one of the few DJs that can actually make you do that with wow, okay. sonically.
2: That is yeah, that is interesting. When you mentioned that the nickname was the professor, I yeah. popped my finger up since for a minute. <laughs> and it was funny because um well, well, I used to put out records by um this guy Paul Masterson, Yomanda, Synth and Strings, oh, when well, he was part, half of Highgate with Judge Dall. And it was I just smiled because he used to, his nickname for me was the <laughs> Professional as well actually because, Yeah, yeah there's, there's a fist bump happening <laughs> there here there is you know because he was like because he'd do a demo or whatever and I'd be like yeah it, it's good man. but the thing and it reminds me a little bit of that it's a little bit like that mixed with that and that bass line reminds me of da 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 from 1984 and this is but the synth line is really interesting because it sounds like a, re- a reverse of this record from, and Paul would be like oh, okay you know <laughs> yeah. and I I like yourself I, I get, take great pleasure from sort of analyzing popular culture and and certainly mu- and and music and uh I love it and the the quest for learning is I'm sure you're just like me you probably have a have a continual hunger to learn and oh, relentless uh, yeah, curiosity yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely which is again one of the reasons I love doing this Eddie, because yeah. it gives me this opportunity to go oh really oh wow I didn't think you know it's it's a great opportunity for me to learn more
1: that's and, why I uh, love it and also to, to teach, like in you know, the last one of these that we did with the mighty David Rodigan, oh, um, I, 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 I I hate to, to to spin back on this oh, one, but yeah, Nick goodness. Nick schooled him a couple of times. It was wow. absolutely oh. hilarious. It was absolutely <laughs> that's, hilarious.
3: That's difficult to do as yeah, well, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, because yeah, yeah, because
1: this is you know he is the absolute pinnacle. But yeah, yeah but that, but this demonstrates how sort of professorial your 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 knowledge is. Yeah, it was amazing. So so Tom, we've we've had the history. We've in a sense we 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 know how you got to where you are and what made you the man that you are so explain again because you've 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 teased it and we've we've kind of talked a little bit about it explain exactly what you're doing now like in i I really want to know because there's there there seems to be lots of facets to it and it's and it sounds absolutely fascinating Uh, thank you yeah well um, in 2010 i released an album
3: that had been on the brew probably for about seven or eight years in fact of just tracks that i felt soundtracked my life and i called them life tracks the album came out um and it's very much a kind of celebration of music that that are evocative of a moment in time or a place in time um and would via an image trigger a memory of a happy place or a happy feeling or a, a positive experience you know i wanted all this thing. i wanted this to be a useful listening experience therapeutic cathartic um, psychologically speaking and spiritually, emotionally speaking, I wanted to kind of open you up a little bit yeah. and expose you to some feelings that maybe you might have been suppressing. So I was dabbling in, in some quite dangerous area with, you know, the sonics that would literally expose you to your real feelings. Um, and that was a really, I, I loved doing that because that, that's my, my passion project, if you like. And eight years later, I'm actually doing exactly that, but commercially speaking. So... As a sound architect and a psychoacoustics researcher, I'm interested in how sound affects us on every level. Now, from the minute you wake up to getting you to bed properly, I feel it's my social responsibility to help you get through the day with an optimised soundtrack that let's say wakes you up gently not with cortisol so making alarm uh, sounds that are, I call gentle arousers yeah uh, that are not stimulating no, the cortisol nothing but,
2: wrong with a yeah. bit of gentle arousement <laughs> like nice early in the morning exactly exactly
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry that's
3: <all> right. <laughs> That's whenever I say that. Like, oh, you're making gentle arouses, are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I see what you're into. Okay. Um, to you know, the commutes to work. I mean, our cortisol levels are through the roof. We've got a, a 300 billion dollar stress problem on planet Earth. I mean, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. We are a stressed, hyper aroused, um, always on, connected society. We need to switch off and whatever i can do to help people switch off reduce stress i'm going to do that now and, and the work that i'm doing basically um explores all of the current um, white paper research on why sound can impact you um your particularly your parasympathetic nervous system now what i've done is i've created uh this year launched an album called sleep better so i just thought well let's just think of a word something better work better uh, move better sleep better um, run better. You know, just something really simple and, yeah. and, and easy to sort of connect with. Um, I decided to train as a sleep science coach in order to understand our sleep architecture. And as part of this, this whole, let's say, transition from you know, music industry per se into a more mindful, meaningful, useful tool set, well, if Dr. Chatterjee, who I don't know if you're familiar with, has the four pillars of wellness being number one, sleep, which informs yeah. number two, how you move, which informs number three, what you eat, and, and number four, which is rest and mindfulness and relaxation. You know, these four key pillars. Uh, I love Dr. Chatterjee because, you know, he, he's celebrating um, new thinking, uh, holistic wellness thinking around. The fact that he's come from um, you know through the NHS system, and he sees where all the flaws are in that, and why, as a, as a you know a species, we, we've we've got to redress the balance between you know, sleep, rest, movement, and nutrition, and mindfulness practice. Yeah. So um, part of this is obviously looking at sleep, and sleep only this year has now been uh, is starting to be addressed in Parliament as a problem. Now this is a forty billion pound annual problem for the uk in um, lost productivity and um absenteeism illness you know we are sleep deprived nation what can we do about that well Um, there's a wealth of information out there but i think to filter that down and you know bring it down to something practical and relatable you need some tips and tools and take-homes so i've created what i call the the pillars of sleep (laughs) health and wellness just 10 take-homes that can really help you to sleep better and i've created a suite of music for the hour before sleep as a species now we're on about six and a half hours um for the two-thirds of us that have compromised sleep we need to be in the seven and a half hour sleep zone yeah. to, to actually get you know Optimal, the, the proper yeah. depth and duration of, of sleep that's going to um, flush the neurotoxins out of the brain and the brain plug out. Um, that's what we're talking about is the impacts on Alzheimer's, dementia, mental health disorders, yeah. and obviously coming from a night shift working um, club in background, I can see that it's impacting mental health. We lost Avicii this year. Yep. Clearly as a result of, of you know, compromised mental health. As a result of Circadian disruption. Sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah. Sleep but is the key to so many things, is the isn't key it? key to everything. It yeah. really is. And, and, you know, the more I learn about it, um, I've just come, away, come back from a conference on this, it was fascinating to sort of chat with all of the, the, the preeminent sleep um, scientists. And, you know, I'm coming at it from someone that's curious. Um, I love the science of sleep. I want to learn more about it, and I want to help people. And if I can find some way of bringing, what I've learned in these 28 years of helping people to relax um, by Deploying this simple tool: listen to music the hour before you go to bed. Get off the swiping. Yeah, chill out, rest and relax.
1: Yeah, absolutely. turn your
3: bedroom into a chill out room. Get all the tech out. Get some oxygen-emitting plants in. Get red lights in there. Yeah, get rid of the blight. We bl- get rid of the white blue lights because yeah. they're disrupting and suppressing melatonin. Yep. Um, get the temperature right. Learn what to eat. Um, move a bit. We're sedentary. We we sit down too much. We yep. don't know how to breathe some really simple stuff if you get that right rehydrate test five to six cups of water a day is probably not enough you need to get up to about eight yeah, yeah. so there's all these sort of simple tools that if you were to frame it in a way that's really relatable um, in other words you know, I've come from the nightclubbing thing I've been compromised as a, uh, you know, a partner a dad uh, a producer in you know, business you, know, you want to be at peak state you want to, um, to be performing at your top level get you sleep,
1: end of story. Absolutely. Hear, hear. Now, where can people get hold of your take-home to, to, of, of, of these well, tips? And also, you're making literal mood music now. Yes. Maybe we should hear some. Right, well, um, so Sleep Better is an app you
3: can also download, and it comes with some sleep hygiene, which is what it's called, sleep hygiene tips and, and tricks. Um, I can also, that we can give a link, and I can send you like a PDF of um, all of the tips. It's just—it's really simple stuff, and it doesn't cost much, and that's the, the problem with most people think, how much is it going to cost to rethink sleep? No, I'm talking about rethinking your owning, reclaiming that hour before bed, rewind an extra hour. And get that seven and a half hours in. So that hour before bed, what can you, you can you do in that hour? Well, things like cognitive behavioural therapy, write down the negative thoughts, get them out of your head. Write down your to do list. Then you're not going to go to bed thinking or worrying because it's all out of your head. That manifestation is a really powerful thing to do. Get it out yep. of your head. Um, Your environment, get that right. Um, Your whole physiology before you go to bed, make sure that you're putting the right things in your body during the day that's not going to disrupt your sleep. And then light. Um, Earplugs, simple thing, best investment ever. Yeah. I'm not joking. Of of all the things that I've ever, ever bought in my life, it's custom fit earplugs. (laughs) Now, I know we're on a show when we're we're talking about, you know, ears Mm. and um, listening to music, but actually, listen to some music for an hour. Wind down, relax, meditate. Pop earplugs in. Put a sleep mask on. Block out the noise. Um, block out the darkness.
1: Yeah, yeah. black out blinds. Get in an hour there. earlier.
3: Get to bed an hour earlier. That's the that's the toll taken for this. An hour of extra sleep would return twenty billion to the UK economy.
1: Yeah, I, I'm absolutely. I, I I know this for a fact. Having gone through you know 2013, sleeping eight to twelve hours a, a week. I I researched so much about. Sleep and about sleep deprivation and uh and insomnia and and this is all and all these things that you were saying about you know the, the, the lack of screen and the getting the temperature right and yeah. dark, these are all things I'm doing the to do list that, that's how i've you know I've got you know to 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 having seven and a half about seven and a half hours of sleep Brilliant. every every night now, and I feel so much better
2: and and just briefly, if people do want to explore all of this more online where where should they go to? Open up the, so, this world a little bit more. Sure. So, what well, the thing is that there's not many people doing what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. I think I'm again a
3: bit ahead of the curve in terms of you know yeah. psychoacoustic deployment for you know uh, soundtracks to life. Yeah. However, um, sleep better sounds. There's a web yep. page there you can link to the uh, how to get the app um, with the, the, the major downloading and streaming platforms. You can get the uh, the app uh, streamed straight to your phone. Great. I've integrated a virtual sunset, which only uses red-orange light from your screen. So this is the incentive. The screen will turn off after 20 minutes. It'll fade down. So in your room, you get this lovely orange glow.
0: Mm. You listen to the
3: music, and the music will deliberately and intentionally decelerate your heart rate and your breath rate. Um, Now, at the moment, we've shown um, around a 25% reduction in um, heart rate and respiration rate. And therefore, that brings down your, your stress levels, your blood pressure levels it activates your parasympathetic nervous system so what i've done is i've used all this stuff that i've learned over the years chilling people out at festivals yeah to create a suite of music that actually works it
1: delivers relaxation absolutely amazing, amazing. and let's let's listen to a little clip of of one of these bits but of if me. you're driving pull over
3: <laughs> we actually i'm not joking on yeah. the back of the, the the cd we had to put a disclaimer do not Operate machinery, drive, or listen to this album while submerged in water.
0: Trailblazers.
1: Fascinating mood music from the uh, the master electrician Tom Middleton to whom we're going to have to say bye-bye now. But, but, but before you go, we, we're we going to ask the question that we ask every single one of our esteemed guests, which is that when the aliens come and they are looking to construct some intergalactic superhighway and they're, you know, they're surveying this solar system to, to possibly destroy it, what would you play them to make them think that we're worth keeping? Well, you know what? Um,
3: when we were chatting earlier on, I was just thinking about you know how do I say how do I get this track in shoehorn it in? I'm going to leave you on this track because I think it's um, we, we touched on it. It's the track that basically um, eclipses Unfinished Sympathy. It's Fantasia on a Theme by Thomas Tallis by Ralph Vaughan Williams. Now the reason this is so potent is because it uses not just one string orchestra but a bolt-on additional set of string players. So wow. if you've ever experienced a prom or a, con- a classical concert, when you feel that kind of harmonic resonance of all those string players together yeah. and on and, and the ensemble of an orchestra. It's incredibly powerful. Now, this track, it goes from a beautiful solo violin playing quite quietly to this the most enormous dynamic range of any piece of classical music ever, two string orchestras together. And the chords that they're playing are so powerful and it has... Um, Vaughan Williams is very evocative of that kind of um English countryside um pastoral music they call it pastoral and I love that idea of pastoral music it really reflects an, uh, and it, it's very evocative of um human nature I don't know why I, I'd say that but it's a very human sounding piece of music um from the you know the subtlety of a um you know a high sort of soaring violin line to this massive kind of emotional tension of all the strings together amazing
0: trailblazers tom middleton
3: Actually, I was thinking the track that I really should be playing, which if we could sneak it on the end, is Grange Hill by Alan Hawkshaw.
2: <laughs> of course. And, and,
3: and you know Alan Hawkshaw, um, I mean, Kirsty Hawkshaw's dad. Fine day today? Right? Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, but I had the pleasure of meeting him on a number of occasions. What a legend. Now, he also wrote one of the most sampled bits of, of um, music in the world of hip-hop, The Mohawks. Oh, John. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. Grange Hill Hawkshaw. My God. Wow. And good. Channel Four News. And amongst other things, I mean Alan Hawkshaw and, and the library music writers, um oh my goodness, that's a whole other conversation. Now he's a trailblazer, you should get <laughs>
1: Gosh, wow. No, that's that actually ending with Grange Hill I think
2: that's
1: yeah is is the perfect way yeah. to go full circle <laughs> with the one and only inimitable Tom Middleton thank you so much yeah
2: thanks cool. man thank, thank you so much in. cheers
0: Trailblazers.
1: Gosh, the richness of storytelling from Tom Middleton is uh, its almost of a David Roddigan standard. The guy the guy can wax lyrical, and I think that might have been our longest one yet. So it, if you've stayed with us, thank you for
2: your ears. Yeah, yeah, it, it might be. And I'd not uh, ever had a, a really proper conversation with Tom Middleton before. I think we would chatted briefly, and funnily enough, we um, both played um, at the same time at the silent disco at Bestival. Uh, it was myself and Richard Russell, kicks like a mule playing... On rave records and Tom doing his eclectic thing. Um and um and had a little brief conversation there, but um since then uh, I have never really chatted to the guy and really like really like talking to him. He's he's Great bloke, isn't
1: he? Yeah, what an amazing guy. What an incredible vibe. If you enjoyed listening to uh, this episode as much as Nick and I enjoyed making it for you, then uh, please subscribe now via your usual podcast provider. Leave us a uh, an encouraging uh, encouraging number of stars if you think that it uh, deserves it. And, of course, head to Deezer.com to check out the full playlist and more episodes.
2: Trailblazers. And we are now at a little bit of a milestone. We're 15 episodes deep. And so... Uh, next time, we're going to do a bit of a look back uh, on those first fifteen episodes, a sort of best of the year, if you like, um, and um, kind of reflect on on some of the things that we've learned from these from these fifteen incredible conversations with electronic music pioneers. A trailblazers Christmas special, we're yeah. talking about, I think, and that's Get- going to happen for you next.
0: Deezer, Deezer. originals.